Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. And some of you are going to be happy with uh, what I'm about to tell you. Last Sunday, we looked at 26 verses in Acts 24. The Sunday before, it was 25 verses in Acts 23. Today, we're looking at one verse. One verse in Acts 24. If you have your Bibles, let's go there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And uh, this sounds, I guess, maybe a little funny. I'm going to say we try to make much of God's Word in our preaching, and I just told you we're only going to look at one verse today. But I think we're going to make much of His Word even as we look at one verse. And uh, the depths and the riches of God's Word, you you can spend a long time on, on some individual verses in God's Word and never mind the depths of the treasure of the truth found therein in God's Word. But we're going to look at one verse, one main thought today. And uh, with us only looking at one verse, this morning's message might even be a little shorter than my normal Sundays, but I'm not going to make any promises, so don't get your hopes up. Don't get too excited. We'll see where it goes. Acts in chapter number 24, we're going to look at one verse this morning here in just a minute. Before we do that, when you think of Paul's life and ministry, the Apostle Paul, as recorded in the New Testament, what words come to mind. I want you to think about, I I thought about this and I wrote down a few, I'm going to give you a few that come to my mind, but think about what words come to mind when you think of the Apostle Paul. I thought of words like powerful. He was a powerful man of God. Fruitful. Transformation. He went from persecuting the church, killing Christians, to, to preaching Christ and being willing to die for Christ. Transformation. I thought of the words incredible impact. He ministered to multitudes. He was well known. Everywhere he went, people, uh, it, it was said, wherever Paul went, one, one commentator said, I think it was Vance Havner said, wherever Paul went, there was either a riot or revival. When he went somewhere, people knew he was there. He, he, Paul didn't come and just hide in a corner somewhere. He was well known everywhere that he went. I thought of the word joy. Paul, a great example of joy in our lives. Suffering, victory, amazing. What an amazing servant of Christ. Busy. He did a whole lot, didn't he? Traveled all over the place, planning church after church. He traveled thousands of miles, world traveler, traveled thousands of miles by foot, by boat, by horse, by Uber. Just trying to see if you're still listening. But he traveled all over the place preached in different cities, in different countries, to different nationalities. I thought of the word leadership. I thought of the word loved. He was greatly loved and hated. You know what word I didn't think of when I think of Paul's life and ministry? It's the word that our text verse represents this morning. It's the word that we're going to focus on this morning in our message. I want you to read our text verse, and I'll give you that word. Acts 24, verse number 27. The one verse we didn't hit last Sunday as we're going verse by verse through the book of Acts. We looked at all the first 26 verses of this chapter. We didn't look at verse 27. Would you read verse 27 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. 
That's it. That's our text verse. Would you read the first four words of that text verse aloud with me? Ready? Begin. But after two years. One more time. But after two years. What an interesting verse. But after two years. What word could be used to describe Paul's life and ministry here? I would suggest to you, we could probably come up with a few different words, but the word I would suggest to you this morning is this. Silence. Silence. What amazing miracles do we see in verse 27? None. What multitudes getting saved do we see in verse 27? None. What life change do we see in verse 27? None. What great works are recorded here? None. What do we know from these two years of Paul's life and ministry from reading this one verse? Nothing. What a waste. No one wants to live Acts 24, 27, do we? Two years of silence. Two years of waiting. Two years of being stuck. I was going around preaching everywhere, God was doing great things, and now I'm stuck as a prisoner in this same room for two years. Who wants to live that verse? Two years of ineffectiveness from a human perspective. Two years of silence, the worldwide evangelism stuck in jail, the traveling evangelist unable to travel anywhere, the mover and shaker not moving or shaking anything. We sometimes miss these things when we read our Bible. We sometimes read the book of Acts like it all happened in a week or a month or a year. Here's the reality. The book of Acts covered decades. There are, just like social media doesn't give you a full picture of the true events of everyone's life, the the gospel gives us a clear picture of true events, but it doesn't give us the day-to-day details of everything that the followers of Christ walk through. In fact, in the gospels it says of Christ, if if we were to record everything that he did, the, the world itself could not contain the books if they were written therein. If we were to write down everything Jesus did, so when we read the Bible, we're seeing some of the main things, but sometimes we read over a verse like this, and we just think, oh yeah, there was that verse, oh, and after two years, and Portius Festus, and Felix, and his room, and I don't know what that is. Get me to an exciting part, and there is some great truth to be found in this one verse in those four years, but after two years. Many of the things that we skip over, if we're not careful, we'll read over it, Uh, We'll just kind of throw it away, but when we stop to think about it, to ponder it, to sit in this verse for a little bit, we realize we're talking about two years of Paul's life in seeming silence. I want to bring a message to you this morning. God works in our silence. God works in our silence. We don't like waiting, do we? We don't like uncertainty, do we? We don't like discomfort, do we? We don't like delays, do we? I don't know about you, I don't like suffering. We don't like silence, do we? But sometimes, as we see here, God leads his children into these seasons in his providence and in his sovereignty, and it is sometimes in these seasons that he can do his greatest work in and through us. God works in our silence. I want us to see that and think about that truth this morning. 
Here's the reality. God doesn't always lead us in the ways we expect, and he doesn't always lead us in the ways we enjoy, but he always leads us in ways that he can use in our lives. God, Paul might have said, I, I want to know where you want me to go. Sit here for two years. God, I want to help the multitudes. Why don't you just help a few people that you're going to see every day? Would you give me great opportunities, God? How about 700 days in obscurity? That doesn't seem like great opportunities. Like, God, you know I only have a short amount of time, right? You know that in the last two years I planted churches all over the place, right? God, you, you know that if you let me out, I can do so much more, right? Don't we feel that same way sometimes? Don't we feel like, God, I want great opportunities, and God says, here's a little obscurity. I, I want some loud, busy, profitable, fruitful seasons. Here's some silence and some quietness in our lives. Doesn't make a lot of sense to any of us, does it? We sometimes aspire to positions of power. God sometimes ordains seasons of suffering. We love public fruitfulness. God sometimes gives us private pruning. We desire clarity. We sometimes experience uncertainty. We love joy and victory. God's plan is sometimes pain and defeat. We love the loud, the busy, and the productive. God sometimes chooses the silent and the slow for us for a season. But don't ever forget that God works in our silence. Paul was in prison for about four years and imprisonments here in Caesarea and then later on in Rome. What do we know about those times? What did his life look like in his seasons of silence? We can, we can get some insight into what these two years and the other times, his other two years in Rome, what those seasons of silence, we get some insight by reading his prison epistles, his letters that were written from prison. And when you read Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philippians, and Philemon, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, you're reading some of what God was doing in Paul's heart and life and mind, and some of his ministry during his seasons of silence. So what do we learn of Paul's time in the silence? I'm going to give us four thoughts that we find from these, these seasons of silence and I want us to apply it to our lives because, again, none of us think of the quiet, uncertain, obscure, uh, doubtful times of our lives as being times of, of God's great work in our lives. But I think when we stop to take a look at Paul's life, we'll understand God's ways are not always our ways. His thoughts are not always our thoughts. And he works in ways that we can't see or comprehend sometimes. I want us to see that this morning. I want you to see, number one, what, what did God, how did God work and what did Paul do in, in, in his time of silence? Number one, he kept praying. He kept praying. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number one, verses four through six, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are we unable to get the verses on the screen this morning, Teach? We don't have anything there. And uh, okay, is, is, are we working on that with Ryan? I just got a lot of verses I was going to throw up, and it's all right. I just didn't want to turn to all of them. So if we can try to figure that out with, with Brother Kevin, that would help us just for the sake of folks listening there. He said, always in every prayer of mine, making for you all request with joy. What does he say? What am I doing in my time of silence? I'm praying for you, church at Philippi. 
He didn't allow his focus to be on his problems or his disappointments. He kept an outward focus even when he couldn't go outside. He was praying for others, thinking of others, encouraging others. In Philippians 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's writing that from prison. What did Paul do in his season of silence? Paul, what did he do? He kept praying. What did he write from his other prison epistle in Ephesians chapter number one? He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What did he say? From prison, Paul says, I want you to know I don't stop praying for you, that you will know what a wonderful joy it is to be a child of God. He kept praying. He said in Colossians chapter number one, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1, we, since the day we heard it, I haven't stopped praying for you. He's telling him, keep going, keep doing right. Someone is praying for you. He said in Philemon 4, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Do you sense a common theme here? Do you see a common theme? Every one of his prison epistles, he started, and you know what he said? Every letter he wrote during his seasons of silence, you know what he started with? I'm praying for you. He didn't start with, life is miserable, God forgot about me. I'm thinking about chucking it all. I'm thinking about throwing it. Why would God do this to me? All I did was try to live for him. What did he say? What did he do? What did he, he said every time, the beginning of every prison epistle, I'm praying for you. I haven't stopped praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I, I'm pulling for you. I'm, I'm hoping that God will do a great work in your life. I'm praying for you. Nowhere do we see here Paul having a pity party. Paul makes it clear that he's regularly and often spending great seasons in prayer, not for his own deliverance. Isn't that what we would probably pray? I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but me. If I was stuck in jail, you know what I would probably pray often? God, get me out of jail. God, I was doing so much more out there. What are you doing in my life, God? Isn't that what we do when we find ourselves in seasons of silence? God, why do you have me here? Why am I in this waiting point? Why am I in this point of uncertainty? Why, why have you allowed this to my life? And, and instead of, and I'm not saying we can't pray for God to show himself strong in our times of trial. I'm not saying that, but instead of all of the focus on God, would you help me escape? His focus on was, God, would you use me to make a difference in the lives of others? God, would you help them? Everyone, he prayed, God may just be slowing you down so that you will spend some more time with him. You ever think of that? How is your walk with God during your season of silence? Nowhere do we see Paul praying for himself. In fact, the only time he asks for prayer for himself in these seasons of silence is he asks them to pray that God would help him to reach more people with the gospel from prison. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, would you pray I can get out of jail? He said, would you pray that I would be a better witness? And that leads us to point number two. What did he do in his seasons of silence? He kept praying. Number two, he kept witnessing. 
He kept witnessing. What did he say in Ephesians chapter number six, verses 18 through 20? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. If you want to jot it down and look at it later. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what Paul's prayer request was? Pray that I would keep being a witness. Would you pray that I would be a a bold ambassador in bonds, in waiting, in chains, in quietness, in silence, in suffering? And you know what Paul's focus was? How do I use this season to reach more people? What a great pattern. Pray for others and then preach to others. Pray for other Christians and then preach and tell about Jesus to those that are not Christians. Instead of talking about his problems to people, what did Paul do in his season of silence? He talked to people about their problems and the one who could deliver them from their greatest problem, their sin problem, and it was Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to pray for the Christians I know, and I'm going to preach Jesus to those that I know who aren't Christians yet. Not a bad pattern in our seasons of silence in our waiting periods. In those two years that we kind of look back at maybe our life after we get through them and say, man, that was kind of a throwaway time, a waste of time. It wasn't the most exciting time. You know what a great pattern there is? Keep praying, keep witnessing, keep telling folks of Christ. He said in Colossians chapter number four, he said, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He's ending the letter. He said, pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The same words that he finished Ephesians there with in Colossians, help me to speak as I ought to speak in this time of trouble, in this time of trial. He starts each letter from prison, letting people know how he's praying for them. Then he closes them, asking them to pray for him, that he would be a better witness, even though he found himself in a situation where his hands were tied, both literally and figuratively. It would have been easy to say, well, I can't do anything of value for God right now. Look where he has me. Oh, who can you share Jesus with in this season where God has you? I want us to think about that, because again, we love the mountaintop experiences, We love the exciting moments of life. We love the big victories. But sometimes God puts us in a season that we feel it's a season of silence. God, what are you doing? How are you working? Where are you leading? And what good can come of this? You know what Paul said? There are, in fact, we'll find out here in a minute, that there are many that were helped because he was in jail. He said there are many people now preaching Jesus in other places because I've preached Jesus in jail. And sometimes we forget that God works in our silence. He he kept praying, kept witnessing. Number three, number three, he kept shining or encouraging, if you will. His life continued to be a light that challenged and encouraged others. Philippians chapter number one, he talks about being in jail and he says in Philippians one verses 13 and 14, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak without fear. What does he say? Many people are being helped and are living uh, for God. They have a stronger faith because they've watched my faith in jail. 
His season of silence didn't mean he had to be silent. He could still pray. He could still witness. He could still encourage others to live for God as they saw the way that he, sh- he, he was shining for Christ in the midst of suffering. Ephesians 3, he said, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For Paul, his sufferings weren't about eliciting pity or sympathy. He used them to try to encourage and uplift others. And I just want us to be reminded this morning that God can use our times of weakness to strengthen others if we'll let him. When you're walking through a valley, when you're walking through a trial, when you're walking through a difficulty, when you're walking through heartache and heartbreak, sometimes we think this is all bad. But for a Christian, we have to be reminded, wasn't it Paul that said in Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. Sometimes in the seasons, we don't see any good. Paul, as he's writing and has maybe a little perspective and a little quiet time, he's got plenty of time to sit around and think and and talk and minister, and people could come visit him in Caesarea and also in Rome, and he's working with others and he's writing. And you know what, what Paul's perspective was? I can see, I wouldn't have chosen this maybe, but I can see how God is using this for his glory. As he kept praying, he kept witnessing, he kept shining, and lastly, He kept serving. He kept serving in his season of silence. His service looked different, but it was no less used of God. In fact, you could argue it was used in even mightier and more widespread ways. You know what's hard to do from prison? Preach to thousands. You know what's hard to do from prison? Travel from city to city. You know what's hard to do from prison? Start new churches. You know what isn't hard to do from prison? Write letters. And at that time, who would have known that those letters Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost would be used to reach and encourage and teach countless billions of people for millennia? Who would have known? God, what are you doing in this season of my life? I was doing so much for you in Asia. I was doing so much for you in the the regions there of Galatia. I was doing so much for you on that journey. I want to go to Rome but I've got you here for two years in Caesarea. And you didn't, I didn't deserve it. I'm literally being held. They, they gave a recess to my hearing. Felix said, we saw it last week. Felix said that, that if, if it will wait until we get some more word from Jerusalem, and then he just left him there to rot. There was no word. He didn't have any idea what was happening. His lawyer wasn't giving him updates. He was just sitting there indefinitely waiting for no reason. He hadn't been sentenced. He hadn't been convicted. He's literally just waiting there, waiting for all he knows to die. God, what are you doing? And in that time, he wrote letters that have impacted billions of lives in the canon of Scripture over the last 2,000 years. In the year 1675 in Bedford, England, the famous Puritan preacher and writer John Bunyan was arrested for preaching publicly without a license, and he was jailed for six months. He had already been jailed for 12 years prior, during which time he had written many books and pamphlets. So rather than seeing this new imprisonment as a great tragedy, Bunyan took an optimistic view of it. He was reported to have said, I have been away from writing for too long. Maybe this is not so much a prison as an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. And it was during that imprisonment that John Bunyan wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, an allegory of the Christian life that is perhaps the most famous book ever written in the English language. 
As it relates to Paul, many believe that during these times of imprisonment here at Caesarea and in Rome, that, that Luke would, would come and meet with him, and Luke and Paul would gather material and would talk about events that Luke would use to write the books of Luke and Acts. You and I may be reading some of the, obviously, what happened here, but, but reading some of the things that we've studied in Acts and the Gospel of Luke, some of those things may have God may have used that time of silence for Luke and Paul to not have maybe the time they would have had otherwise to collaborate on one of the Gospels and the book of Acts in their lives, writing great portions. Never underestimate what God can do in your seasons of silence. In Paul's busyness, God used him to impact. I want you to think about this statement. In Paul's busyness, God used him to impact tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. We got the last slide. Praise the Lord. God used him to impact tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Maybe you could say, but directly, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I want you to think about this. In his quietness, God used him to impact billions. We're still being impacted by the letters written in those seasons of silence. This morning, a simple message, one verse, one main thought, and here it is. Some in this room need to be reminded that quiet seasons are not wasted seasons. God has not forgotten you even in seasons you'd like to forget. Silent seasons are not empty seasons. Just because we are uncertain doesn't mean that he is. God works in our silence if we will let him. We love the excitement, don't we? We love the big events. We love the days of victory. We love the, the, the mountaintop experiences. And God sometimes says, stay here in obscurity and let me do a deep work in and through you. So what do you do if you find yourself in a season of silence? What do you do, church? What did Paul do? Keep praying. Maybe God slowed you down to strengthen your relationship with him. Keep praying. What do you do? Keep witnessing. Who can God use you in this new season, that season of trial and suffering? Who has God allowed you to open your heart and your life to because of that, that otherwise, had you not slowed down, you wouldn't be able to minister to them? Keep witnessing. Keep shining. Don't just focus on your problems, on your silence. Encourage others. I'm so encouraged that by my bonds, others are preaching Jesus. Keep shining and keep serving. You might not be able to do what you used to do or what you did in that other season, but you can do something you maybe couldn't have done in that season. Paul had some time to write some letters. Wherever God has you. Paul impacted tens or hundreds of thousands in his busyness. He impacted billions in his quietness. Trust God. Doesn't always lead us in enjoyable ways or exciting ways, but he always leads us in ways that he can use for his glory in our life and the lives of others. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.